this morning I want to share a message with you uh, entitled The Road to Emmaus, to Emmaus, A Twist in the Road. And um, before we do that, I want to, we're going to have our, our memory verse again. Remember, we're going through the book of Ephesians. Not today. We, we're just going to take a little sidestep because it's Resurrection Sunday morning. But um, this is our memory verse. And uh, how are you doing with memory verse anyway? There's one or two that have it. Okay, great. Just keep practicing. So here it is. I'll re- say this with me. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, abund all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Powerful, powerful scripture. All right, let's move on to today's, uh, today's message. I want to try to uh, get you out of here by you know, at least 2 o'clock, so we're going to move ahead here just to see if you're listening. First off, I'm going to read a story to you. This is uh, The Road to Emmaus, and I'm just going to read it right out of the, the scriptures. All right, so if you have your scriptures with you, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 24. If you have your phone or your iPad or whatever you get your scriptures from, or if you old school and you have, still have a Bible that's not lit up, you can still read that too. So, All right, let's look at chapter 24, and we're going to pay attention here to verse 13 to begin with. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that, which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself appeared and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are the words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking along? And they stood still looking sad. And Jesus said, why the long face? No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. (laughs) And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, Besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us amazed us. Women are amazing anyway, aren't they? They just, they always get it way ahead of us. That just irritates us men, doesn't it? They just just get it. Okay. But these women among us amazed us. And when they were all at the tomb early in the morning and didn't find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and he blessed it, breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then, 
their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really arisen, and he appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Lord, thank you for your incredible word. And now, Lord, open our eyes as well to see the wonders of it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. A road with a twist, um, there's a lot of fear and anxiety, a lot of hopelessness and disappointment and despair on that first resurrection Sunday morning. Even though Jesus had told them everything that was going to happen, even though they had just had a, a, a Passover feast, which is all about the slain lamb and the, and the blood shed over the, the, the doorposts and the lintels of houses, even though he explained all that to them very clearly what was going to happen, it was, you know, you know what that means, right? It's just over my head. I just don't get it. I, what's he talking about? And so here they are, saw Jesus die on the cross. He was buried. They know what death looks like. He was definitely dead. And they took the spear, remember, and they shoved it up into his ribs and into his heart. And, uh, I mean, he was dead. He was a dead man. Buried. And so they're going, all of our, all of our hopes are dashed. And, and these two guys walking on the road to America, not a very long journey, about seven miles, seven, eight miles. But they're walking along, heading home, away from Jerusalem on the third day, that very same day that, that uh, some of the women went to the tomb to anoint him, and he had already risen from the dead. And they were amazed at that, and the angels came and shared with them. One of them had actually seen the Lord, and that's not in this gospel, it's in another one. But there was a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a lot of hopelessness. And how many of you know when there's not hope for tomorrow, there's not much power for living today? And that's where they were. They had lost their hope. This was the one who was going to come and redeem Israel. Now, their idea of redemption was that this is going to be King Jesus. Remember what in the video with the skit guys they were saying, he said, well, we thought he was going to be a king. He said he is a king, but of a different kind of a kingdom. And that's what, that's what Jesus is all about. He's a king, but he's of a different kingdom. But they were expecting that they were, that Jesus, the Christ, Yeshua, the Son of God, that he was going to be seated on the throne in Jerusalem. He will one day. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. Watch out, world. That's going to happen. But it wasn't yet. They thought the redemption was going to be him seating in Jerusalem as a king, and he was going to overthrow Rome. So they're their hope was dashed. We saw him crucified, and then we saw him died. I got to thinking about this passage as I was reading through it this week, and I was thinking about the, the road that we are on, like the road they're on. And, and, and there's, there's some twists and turns in the road, but there, there's a major turnaround. There's a major twist in our road when we come face to face with a resurrected Christ. And that's what I want us to focus on today. And my prayer is that, that today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day there will be a twist in the road that you're traveling, whatever that road might be. A, a road that may be filled with disappointments and, and hopelessness just like theirs. A, a, a road that's filled with all kinds of disappointments and problems. 
their road is actually my road and it's your road because we start life down this journey this uh, we're, we're heading down this we're heading down the road right and um, sometimes you, you run across people and you go and you go they're heading down the wrong road it's like it reminds me of the story of the drunk who was pulled over going the wrong way on a one-way street and the cop said what were you thinking didn't you realize that there was a lot of people coming towards you he said, yes, officer, but he said, I just thought everybody, I was late and everybody was coming back. That was a token laugh. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that very much. But you're going down the wrong road. We say that about people sometimes. We say, man, you're going down the wrong road. Have you ever gone down the wrong road? You've been going the wrong way? They're going the wrong way. And it starts with a hopeless feeling. I want to share a little bit about my road. Some of you know it, some of you don't, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details about it today, but just to give you a, a little bit of a clue about my road and how it started. I had a lot of hopes and aspirations, and don't we all start out that way as young people? We, we have a family, and we want to be loved, and we want to be appreciated. Uh, we are protected from a lot of disappointments. Uh, you know, our parents protect us, give us a, a, a place of safety, a place of security. And isn't that what parents do? They, they provide that atmosphere for their children to, uh, to grow in uh, fear and admonition of the Lord and, and uh, just a place of security and uh, a place of knowing that, that I'm safe here, I'm, I'm okay here, I'm accepted here. Then I was about 10 years old. I watched my dad take all of his, the luggage or everything that he could carry, put it in the back of a car, in the back of a Studebaker Lark. That's how old I am. It was new at the time. Anyway, he put it in there. And I remember following him out. I'm 10 years old. I'm following him out. And he gets in the car. And his face is down the road. And, uh, and I'm sitting on the curb beside that road. And I watch him pull out of my life. And my hope for having a dad in my life was suddenly gone. Well, I hope, well, maybe, maybe he'll turn around. You know, maybe he'll get down to, to that corner, that first block, and, and maybe he'll turn there, and then he'll come around the block, and he'll go, ah, just kidding. But he just kept right on going. And he didn't come back. And that left a hole in my heart. Here's what I know about the enemy, our we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And he throws darts at us when there's, there's disappointments, when there's that attitude of uh, that, that hope is gone from your life. He throws an arrow at you, he, a thought. And so here's the thought that hit me. I must be so bad that my dad doesn't even want to be around me. That's a thought for a, that's a good thought for a 10-year-old, Right? I mean, deal with that one. Now, my mom tried the best she could. We went to church, you know, and, you know, we went to, I was a Methodist at the time, not that that's important, but, uh, but, but went to MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship, and, and I had people in Sunday school teachers, good people. That was back when your, when your school teachers were actually Sunday school teachers in, in churches, and, and, um, and they tried to tell me, you know, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay. And they tried to love me, and they, they, they put the scriptures in me, and they, they told me about Jesus and everything else. And, and it, the older I got, the angrier I got. 
They told me about how much Jesus loved me and, and that he was, a, he was the father of the fatherless. And so it's okay. You know, you don't have a father, but that's okay. Jesus loves you and he's the father to the fatherless. And I heard all that. And yet I just became angrier because I, I, I just didn't really, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. All the scripture just went over my head. It's like these guys just like... And people tried to tell them, just like those ladies came and said, look, Jesus is, is alive. You know, the tomb is empty. And they told them about it. Didn't get it. And people were telling me. I had, I had a grandmother, a dear lady that probably prayed me into heaven. I don't know. But, but she would tell me. I'd sit down with me and say, you look, know, there's a bad thing that happened to you, but you'll get through this. God has a plan for your life. And I'm going, yeah, right. So then I got into my teenage years. And you know how teenagers are. That's when you really start taking all the facts of your life or what you think are facts and you really start twisting them around. And then you've got some friends that you start hanging out with that are just like you, just about as, you know, I figured, well, you know, I just want to hang out with some people that are going the same direction I'm going. As long as I'm going down that road, I just will get, and there's a lot of people going down that road, isn't there? There still is. You know, I'm, I'm in my, I'm 70-ish. And, um, but I still see people going down the, the, they're going the wrong direction. They're going the, the wrong road. And there's always people that'll travel on the same road with you, going the wrong direction, feeding you all the stuff that you're angry about. They're angry, you're angry, and man, you just collect people like that. And so I started to get to a place where I thought I could anesthetize this. So when I was in my later teens and I started drinking and, uh, and just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, it was a pretty good sized school, and so I, I got the Fonzie outfit, you know, the leather coat, and flipped it up, and I had hair back then, so back in the nice DA in the back, you know. You know what? I'm not going to tell you what a DA is. You can figure that out. <laughs> Google it. Okay, so, and then I had this little, I had this little curl that came down the front, you know. Cool. Beetle boots. So pointed in the front, you could kick the eyes out of mosquitoes with. I was cool, Mr. Cool. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be accepted. And the gangs accepted guys like me because they were just like me. The, the good Christian crowd wouldn't accept me. Well, I, maybe I didn't want their acceptance. Let's, let's be fair. I didn't, I didn't like the words that they were speaking to me just simply because I didn't get it. I, I didn't understand I didn't know if they really had it either, but they were trying their best, but I didn't get that. But I could understand this rough crowd. I could understand the brawl fighters, the, the, the barroom fighters. I could understand the druggies. I could understand the alcohol. I could understand that. I could understand how they could be so angry about life. I could understand that. And they understood me. So that's the crowd that I hung out with. That's the road that I decided to travel. And I'd made a promise to, to myself, a, a foolish vow, and I said, what my dad did, I will never do. I will never leave my family. Then I met Lois, and we fell in love. Well, actually, she chased me around, and I mean, it's just, it was disgusting. <laughs> no stalking laws in those days. I went to the police. They said, we can't do a thing. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to marry this girl. And so I did. And you know what? Ten years into our marriage, you know, we had a daughter, and we just uh, adopted a son. And, and uh, ten years into our marriage, see, ten years, I was ten years old, and ten years into our marriage, we were heading the same direction. 
We were not in love any longer. We were out of love. It was gone. And we were looking at uh, a bad ending. The very thing that I said, that'll never happen to me. I'll never be like that. I'll never do what my dad did. I was becoming my dad. Bitterness and anger is a terrible thing. It makes you become just like the person that you don't like. Whoever you're angry at, whoever you're, you're just animosity towards, you'll become just like them. And that's what happened to me. But I had some people praying for me. People in town were praying for me. They were going, God, help this man. <laughs> I had family members that were praying for me, my grandmother, my mom. And my mom had a vision at the end of her bed one morning. And she was praying for me, and the Lord spoke to her and said, I don't want you praying for John anymore. I got him. And so she told me that. And I'm going, I rolled my eyes. and going, oh, you spiritual person, you. You know, God's got me. Yeah, right. So life didn't get any better for me. It just kept getting worse. And um, then we finally lost our business. We went through a terrible crisis in our life in a number of ways. And then finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end my life. There's no sense in me hanging around anymore, taking up space in the planet. Um, you know, nobody loves me. think I'll go eat a worm kind of thing. Well, I was going, nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. You know, I'm just going to go end it. So I was sitting on the dock one night fishing, thinking about how I was going to end it. And uh, stars were shining and wind was blowing. The lake was rolling with waves and and I was sitting on the end of that dock with a little bucket, and I'd fish for a couple hours and didn't catch anything. And uh, I had a lot of time to just think about my life. And I saw, I saw nothing but failure here, and failure there, and failure here, and failure there. Quit school. You know, all, all this stuff. Relationships failed. Uh, I didn't want people to get to know me because I knew once they get to know me, they wouldn't like me anyway. So I would leave the relationship first before they got to know me. I would do something that would, would, would create such chaos in, in our relationship that they would actually walk away from me. And then I could say, see, I told you they would do that. I don't know if anybody in here can relate to that story, but I think there may be a few. So I finally got to the place where I'm, I'm on the end of the dock and I'm going, okay, how do I want to do this? And I'm thinking about how to do it. And I just happened to look up and the stars were shining just beautiful that night. And, and, uh, I, I just started thinking about all the things that people told me, all these scriptures that I'd heard growing up. And all of a sudden, I just thought, and I was still angry, very much so, and I said, God, I've heard about you all my life. And if you're really up there, and if you can hear me, and you'll let me know that you exist... So there's no shadow of doubt in my mind. I will give you the rest of my life. Well, here I am. <laughs> that was like 40-some years ago. Now, we've lived on the lake a long time. I'm not going to go into all the details of that for time's sake here today, but we've lived on the lake for a long time. And I know when somebody's walking on the dock and... Somebody was walking on the dock, and I thought it was a fishing buddy of mine. His name is Barney. You know, if you're a fishing buddy, you've got to be a Barney in your life. 
or a, or a Dave. I said, about that time, well, I do have to tell you this part of it. I said, in fact, God, I don't want this to be too hard for you because I'm, really, I'm still upset. I'm really angry at God for all this. He, ultimately, all of your problems, all of your hopelessness, uh, everything that's going on in our life that we don't understand, we blame God for it. I mean, really, we don't like to admit that because we're told, no, 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 don't blame God. But inside we're going, this is really your fault. You made me, and you made me this way, and you caused all this stuff to happen, and you weren't there when I needed it. Where were you? And this is all your fault. And so that's the way I felt. You know, God's not afraid of you when you say stupid stuff. So I said, God, if you're really there, show me, and I'll give you the rest of my life. I said, as a matter of fact, God, I don't want to make it too difficult for you. I know you're very busy. So I've been sitting here fishing for a couple hours. I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw this line in the water. If I catch a fish, a walleye, I want a walleye. No rubber walleyes, no, none of them catfish or bullheads. We'll leave all the bullheads in Minnesota. And I said, I want to see a walleye here, and if I, if I catch a walleye, I'll believe in you. Is that really too hard for you? Threw the line out there, line hit the water, bang, walleye. Walleyes don't feed on the top of the water. So I'm cranking this fish in. I forgot my conversation with God. I'm a, I'm a fisherman, right? I mean, there's more important things here than that conversation. So I'm cranking this fish in. I'm going, okay, I got, and, and about that time, Barney, or so I thought, walking on the dock. So I get that fish in. It's a nice walleye. And so I'm just taking it off the hook and throwing it in the bucket, sitting on the bucket. You know how you do it. You stand up a little bit. You throw that fish in the bucket. And he's in there kind of flopping around. And I said, hey, Barney, I got a walleye. About that time, here is this hand laid on my shoulder. And when I turned around... There was no Barney, but the hand sure was there. I know when somebody lays a hand on my shoulder, and it was there. And the next thing I know, I'm on my face. I had made another foolish vow when I was a kid, and I said, ain't nobody ever gonna make me cry. I'm laying on my face just bawling like a baby. I mean, I am wailing. If people would have came by, they would have said, just, we got to lock him up. I am, I am crying, and just God is just doing stuff. The peace of God was so powerful, so strong. The presence of his Holy Spirit was there so powerfully in my life and on that dock. I couldn't get up. I had such a weight on me. I just, it just pushed me right on the dock. I'm laying there. I can't move. I can't get up. I'm just crying. And then pretty soon this wave of joy came floating over me and I couldn't stop laughing. And I'm laughing hysterically. We're not talking about, <laughs> we're talking about just flat out nuts kind of laughter. There again, if somebody would have come by, they would have locked me up. Dave would have had a counseling session with me. You know, what's wrong with John? And then I tr cried and I laughed and I cried and I laughed and I cried and I laughed peace and joy flooding over my soul. A long time I laid there and I got back up, came to my senses, got back up and realized where I was and what had just happened. 
picked up my fishing rod and said, okay, God, now I know that you're there. Let's do that again. <laughs> and the line hit the water, bang, another nice walleye. Take God fishing with you. That's the message. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Cranked in another walleye, and I said, God, you did this for me because of my stupidity, because of my foolishness. I can't accept this. Please, I just put them back in the lake. Watched them swim away. Turned around, went, picked up Lois, and, and uh, where, where she was, she was at Barney's house, and Barney and I would... And long story short, we got in the car and I'm quiet all the way home. And during those days when I'm quiet, you didn't really know if you wanted to be around me or not. That's how bad I was. And um, so I was quiet and she was quiet. And we got home and I'm in my closet rooting through my stuff. She says, what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for my Bible. <laughs> she is going, What? said, yeah, I had a Bible when I was a kid. Where is it? And she helped me dig and found it. She knew where it was, and I got it out. And I got to tell you, friends, I could not put that thing down. I'm working construction and foreman for another construction crew in Spirit Lake, Iowa, by the way. That happened. Spirit, did you get that? Spirit Lake, Iowa. And I couldn't put that thing down. And, and through the years, then God spoke to me about what, what was happening through that through that Bible, through the scriptures. That's why, see, that's why it's so important. That's why I tell you as your pastor to get in this word. See, you, you got to get in here. And why? Because it says this in, in Ephesians. We'll get there eventually, but in Ephesians 5, it says, God is washing you with the washing of the water of his word. Now, am I done being flushed yet? No, I still got areas. I've got I got kingdoms in my heart yet that it's just, I don't like them. I don't, even, I don't even know why they're still there. I go, God, where in the world did that come from? That's why we used to sing, Jesus, be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. And so he's still becoming the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. I got a couple kingdoms yet. But the main thing is that God washes us and cleanses us. So here's some things that happen to a person when they have this encounter with Jesus. You can put those up there on the screen. Oh, he's got them up there. Man, he's good. All right. Roads of disappointment and fear go to the next one. What happens? What happens to us when we find Jesus? Yes, he's alive. Everything on the road changes. Next one. Ah, there we go. Your eyes are opened. Remember, we sing a song, Amazing Grace, right? How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I was blind, but now I see. See, there's something that happens. If you're here today and, and you go, what is this Christian stuff all about? What's this church? What is, what's the matter with these people? Are they nuts? No, they see something that you don't. Yet. Their eyes are open to another kingdom and to another king. No longer the God of this world has them blinded, but the blinders are removed. Are they perfect? Nope. 
As far as God looks at them and says, yep, they are, but are we really? Nope. Do I still make a lot of mistakes? Yep. Am I still the, the, the best husband in the world? Probably, but <laughs> it depends on who you ask. You know, I make, mis- I make some mistakes. Sure, we, we all do. Am I the best pastor and leader? No, I, I make mistakes. I don't know anybody that doesn't. But the main thing is my eyes were opened and I was blind and now I see. There's another thing that happens. There's a, a real hunger for Scripture that begins to return in our lives. Has that happened to you? Or are you just going through church motions? I mean, it's really the, the, the Scripture is the real hunger of your soul that you wake up in the morning and you've got to have this before breakfast. Does that, does that sound weird? No, it's not, it's not weird. It's just the way we are. We're wired different than, than the world people. Now, we're not better than them in a sense. I mean, God, you know, that's who we once were, so we've got to have a lot of grace and mercy extended to everybody. Just because your eyes are opened and theirs aren't, you can't say, well, my eyes are open and yours not. That's not, not what I'm saying here. But I'm just saying that we see something different. And the love for scriptures returned. Our hearts, they said, didn't our hearts just burn within us? When Lois and I first, when we got saved, we played church. We were Luthamethicath. <laughs> and we played church in every single one of them. And then suddenly we got saved. And the best part of any one of them is when they read that little verses of scripture right before that little five-minute sermon, it ain't going to happen here, don't worry. But it's that five-minute sermon when they read the, they read the scriptures, and, it, and we went, oh, did you hear that? Jesus is speaking to me. How exciting that God would still be speaking to me through, and he does through his word. It comes alive because he's alive. See, before you recognize that he's alive, this is just the words on a page. And your prayer lives are, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we say it because it's on the screen. And suddenly something happens to us and we go, oh, God. And you, get, you breathe, prayer just comes right out of you. You don't have to have it written down anymore. The Holy Spirit prays through you. You also want to make a U-turn in your life, by the way. People say, well, I don't know. Can I keep going the same way? Most of the people that, I, that, have, that have trouble in their walk with God is because they want to keep walking the same way and they want God to be with, with them. He ain't. When there's a revelation of Christ in your life, there's a U-turn. It's called repentance. It's not called confession to where, oh, God, I confess it. You know, I'm, I made a mistake. Good, good for you. But then now turn around. You can't keep walking the same way because Jesus isn't going the same way with you anymore. Sometimes that means for people, you've got to change some friendships. I know I had to. Some of my friends wanted to keep pulling me right back down into the gutter again, right back to the old angry John that I used to be. I've got to get some new friends, which leads me to my next point. I want to be with the right people. People say, I don't need to go to church. You don't ever say it like that. But that's what you mean. I don't need to go to church. I'd be a Christian. If you, have, if you walk in the light as he's in the light, you have fellowship with one another. 1 John 1, 7. 
You want to get up in the morning and be with God's people. And who wouldn't want to be here with this fantastic worship team, huh? Who wouldn't want to be here and worshiping and praising God and raising your hands to the heavens? And we're known as holy rollers for a reason. Get up and roll around in the aisles if you want to. By the way, I've never seen anybody do that. But if you want to, fine. There's something that changes in us. We're in a different kingdom, and I want to be with God's people because they're, they're forever kingdom people. Are they perfect? No. Are they pain in the butt? Yes. Sometimes. People ask me, do you like being a pastor? Yes, but I just don't like the people. You're going you're gonna to run across. See, that's part of growing up. You're going to grow up. And the best way to grow up is there's this tension in the gifts of the Spirit. There's a tension in the gifts that God has given to each one of us. And we'll explain that a little bit more when we get into a little later in Ephesians. But there's this tension that's going on, but it builds muscle. It's called isometric exercise in the physical one pushing against the other one, and the same thing happens. And so what happens when God brings somebody into your life that you don't get? You go, I want them out of my life. And God's going, no, they're there for a reason because you got some stuff in you that I want to deal with. I want to be with God's people. And then I want to go and tell everybody, what's the message? He's alive, alive. I mean... You don't have to go goofy, but you tell people, he's alive. What aileth you, John? You got some kind of disease? Yes. Resurrection power disease. He's alive, and I want to tell everybody that he's alive. Remember what I said to you, without hope for tomorrow, there's no power for today. The resurrection gives us power for today because we have hope for tomorrow. We are an eternal people because of what Jesus Christ did. And he proves that you're eternal because he was the first fruits that raised from the dead. Today, in the Hebrew culture, on the, in the feasts, this is the first fruits day. First fruits today. He is the first fruits. He's the first raised from the dead and presented to God, but he's not the last. I love preaching Christian funerals. I like them better than weddings because I know that that dead guy is going to stay dead. Did I say that backwards? But a Christian funeral is really awesome because they are not in the box or in the gurney urn. They're not there because he's alive. And you and I are alive and will be alive forevermore. Paul says it like this, and I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, and I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to jump through here a little bit, but he says this, he says, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I'm pressing on towards the goal, the prize, the upward call in Christ Jesus. Wow. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Maybe you're here this morning. I told you a true story. I did it the best I could. Only God can make it real in your life. Hallelujah. Yes. Anybody else want to run to the altar right now? <laughs> but maybe you're here this morning and you need to press on. You've been a believer. You know scriptures, but you're really not pressing on. You got it up here, but you never really had the hand here or however God wants to reveal himself to you. You know it, but it doesn't, you don't show it. It doesn't show up in your life. You just know it. Well, knowing it's not the same as showing it. And God wants to reveal himself to you so you can press on to, know, to that newness of life. For some of you here today, I prayed for you this morning. And some of you need to forget what lies behind you. And until you forget what lies behind you, how do you do that? Well, you press on towards the goal, towards the, the, to the prize. It's an upward call in Christ. So something happened to you. I get it. So you can lay there and wallow in what happened to you and operate on bitterness and unforgiveness, or you can get up and move on. And for some here today, you might need to just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm ready to move on. I'm going to go to that, that road that leads to the upper room, to the place where Jesus is. I'm going to go where God is leading me and not where my friends and not where my anger and not where everything else is, is dragging me down to. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I'm not going to ask anybody to get out of their chair this morning, but I am going to ask you to make a commitment. I'm going to ask you, are you ready to make a turn? Are you ready for a U-turn? Are you ready to press on to that calling that God has for you in your life? All those people that told me when I was growing up, they said, God's got a call in your life, John. We see it. Well, I didn't see it at all. God's got a call on your life. But you can't answer that call going down the wrong road. Good news, Jesus will meet you on whatever road you're on today. He'll walk alongside of you, and he will reveal himself to you. You're here today and say, Pastor, I need a revelation of Christ. I need a fresh revelation of Jesus. Would you slip up a hand just quickly? I'll see it. I used to be an auctioneer. Yes, God bless you. Others here? Yes, God bless you. Another moment. This is serious stuff. Life-changing. And through this message this morning, through God's humble servant, and that's me, believe me, maybe you're here and your prayer is, God, help me to forget the hurts of my past. Help me forget the pain. Yes, I see a hand already. Yes. And I want to move on. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, you see the, the hands that are lift, lifted up that represent the need just to something new, God. 
something fresh, someone alive in their lives. Pour out your spirit, I pray, upon each one of these as we rejoice because you are alive, we're alive as well. In the name of Jesus, that's your prayer. Don't forget it. Keep asking. God, show me. God, reveal yourself to me. Take those steps. Get into the Word of God. Get into the church. Get, into, get around God's people. And watch your life be transformed. Jesus is alive.